This is a Founding Media podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Libby Hill. And I'm Adrian Pexosa. And we are your hosts of Fueling Your Potential. Welcome to another amazing episode. <gasps> so this episode was kind of a really fun episode for me to shoot with you because we went up to the University of Texas campus. And that's not the school I went to. And I got bananas lost getting to this place. Oh, my gosh. I swear, you can start on one corner of the campus and walk for, like, half an hour and not even find the other side. <laughs> and, like... I mean, I, I think I look like a student. So, like, asking other students for directions I thought was not cool because, I mean, <laughs> I thought I was super cool. But, oh, my gosh. And you came in with probably five suitcases of recording equipment. Yes. It was the funniest episode. Oh, yeah. And it was a million and 12 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. So by the time we got to, I don't know, Timbuktu of UT, I was drenched in sweat and just, like, over it. Absolutely over it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Luckily, we, we kind of redeemed ourselves yes. in that whole situation because we got to talk to Drew Hayes, who is one of my professors at UT, was. I took a few classes from her and she just has the coolest voice. She is no nonsense, just really not interested in perpetuating anything that isn't fact-based and simple and in the interest of balance. She was amazing. So we're going to jump into today's show talking everything about science and facts. Don't worry. We're not going to get too deep with the science, Mm -hmm. but we're going to have a ton of fun. Yes, we definitely bring it to life, talk about superfoods, talk about kale, and just some misconceptions about healthy and what's not. So stay with us. We're jumping in. Ready? Hi, this is Adrian, And I'm Libby, and today we are here with Drew Hayes, who is a professor at the University of Texas and a registered dietitian. And she is my professor, actually, so I'm very excited to have her on the show today. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) So let's jump in and talk about kind of what led you to nutrition and what your background is. Um, Okay, so really I took a kind of long and... Um, not direct route to nutrition. So before I became a dietitian, I was a professional chef. And so I cooked um, all over the place for my career for a long time uh, before it led me back to nutrition. So um, nutrition was something that I was always interested in, but um, I just kind of didn't ever feel like I had a solid foundation to argue the things that I knew were right. Um, And so uh, after you know, working for many years, I I came back here to UT um, and completed my training to become a dietitian and did my internship and, you know, the rest is history. (laughs) I love that. And I love that you were really inspired to come back and argue what you knew was right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There were some heated arguments uh, before and uh, my nutrition education just reaffirmed that I was, you know, uh, had some solid information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to really, really stand up for what you truly believed in. And one of the things that I think is super cool is that uh, what we're going to talk about today is superfoods. So what are one of the things that you really, when you hear that word superfoods, like what comes about? Um, well, I feel extremely annoyed and um, <laughs> and I uh, feel disappointed about messaging around uh, nutrition and um, predatory marketing and things like that. So um, 
generally uh, thinking about superfoods. So um, I, I do have um, some sort of kind of personal issues with um, uh, saying certain, especially fruits and vegetables are superior compared to others. Um, so superfoods, that's a marketing term. Um, and so it's made up by people that want to sell us foods. And so, um, you know, those, uh, <laughs> so, you know, if we're saying, oh, this vegetable or fruit or whatever is a superfood, then I feel like I need to include that in my diet. I have to spend the extra money to get that product. Whereas, you know, there's, um, some other, uh, you know, fruit or vegetable, especially there, you know, there may be other products or certainly packaged foods mm -hmm. that say like contain superfood, but you know, um, it, it just kind of leads us to think that, um, there's an additional benefit when actually there isn't. And, you know, um, as a dietitian and not a millionaire, um, you know, that's something that I'm also concerned with. And, you know, we certainly don't want to isolate um, certain populations that um, maybe lower socioeconomic populations um, that feel like they cannot have a nutritious diet because they can't include these superfoods in their diet or something like that. So, um, yes, annoyance. <laughs> That's what comes to mind. <laughs> so, and also something else I want to touch on any diet, I know like your big thing is moderation and variety. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about what happens when we stop eating a variety of foods and only focus on foods that we deem super. Yeah, well, so that does go against um, my personal foundation in nutrition, which is uh, variety and moderation. So, um, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer, you know, as a dietitian, that um, nothing is really off limits, um, and so the opposite could be true. That you know, if um, something you know is good for you, we need so much of it. We've got to make sure and squeeze it into every meal. We got to juice it and you know bathe with it at night and <laughs> apply it topically and all these crazy things. Um, and and what that does is it can inch out other important components of the diet. So like um, kale, for example. I know Adrian hates kale. Oh, oh God, good. I'm so oh, happy. I hate kale so much. Good. You hate the way it tastes? Or? Oh, all of it. Yes. Well, the pretentiousness, all of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, kale is is a, a perfect example. So it's, you know, the latest uh, – well, it's actually kind of, you know, uh, there are other ones that are coming up. But, you know, it's like it's going to cure your ailments. It's going to make you live forever and all these things, which, you know, aren't true. Um, but also – you know, if you consume too much kale, you can get a goiter. So that's a perfect, um, you know, example of how too much of a good thing might not be good. And so, you know, if we're only focusing on, you know, just using kale as an example, that's the healthiest vegetable. I have to get out and use in all of my salads, whatever you are, especially displacing maybe, um, different colors, uh, you know, and varieties of fruits and vegetables, if that's what we're focusing on, um, in your diet. And so for me, that is very problematic. So, <laughs> oh, speaking my language, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love that moderation is what you are really preaching and uh, educating all of these little minds and really helping them understand that it's not just kale, that you can have kale and marshmallows and you whatever. Can. <laughs> you can. But I'm sure there's a kale marshmallow salad. Of course, of course. And it's, it's organic and GMO free. Yes, it, it is all of those. Yeah. <laughs> Just for our audience, will you talk to us a little more about what a goiter is and how it happens? And oh. how kale plays a part? Oh, yeah, good question. <laughs> um, so kale is in the the family of uh, vegetables that are called goiterogens. And so it can... Um, 
uh, you don't have to fact check me on this, I think, but it can interfere. Uh, so kale can interfere with your um, thyroid hormone uh, production, which can eventually lead to developing a goiter. And so a goiter is just really uh, the enlargement of the thyroid gland in your neck. And so what happens is when you develop a goiter, you get this big bulbous, you know, bulge um, from your neck. It's not... Um, desirable or attractive, yes. and it can be caused by eating too much kale. I mean, that would be extreme, but you know, still hilarious to me. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love how there's so many different things where people just take it to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I had this one client that was obsessed with carrots and ate carrots 24 seven. Yes. And yes, she turned a little orange, lots of her hands were orange, uh -huh. but it also caught that large amount of beta carotene caused a ton of uh, reproductive issues. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And it was just uh -huh. so one of those mm -hmm. uh, outside the box things that you mm -hmm. read in these like uh, research articles and um, textbooks, but it's really interesting to see in real life, mm -hmm. just as from a carrot or kale. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about, Adrian, name a few of a few things that you think of when you think of superfoods. Like, what are some of the hot oh, ones? Oh, well, superfoods right now. Oh my gosh, the one that is like cracking me up is beef talon. <laughs> oh my god, oh, please. <laughs> I know, beef talon, acai berries, goji berries, yeah. um, flax seeds. Um, <clears throat> what else is there right now? I mean, avocados, uh, avocado oh, yeah. toast, avocado smoothies, yes. avocado pudding. <laughs> uh -huh. um, Gosh, I'll keep going. <laughs> oh, that, that is a long list. Um, what is what is beef talon? Somebody explain Lard. that to me. Yeah, oh. it's beef. It's so it's uh, yeah beef tallow. It's like it's actually what McDonald's French fries used to be fried in, and they were super delicious. Um, but then there was some backlash because guess what? It's not heart healthy. Yeah, ba -ba -ba -ba. I know. So yeah, they had to replace it with like, I don't know, beef powder or something. I'm not sure what. So sorry, McDonald's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it's actually the fat that is rendered from uh, cow carcasses. So after they slaughter them. And so they do that, yeah, with pigs and cows and they can do chicken. And so those alternative fats right now, um, the alternative animal fats, they are super popular. Yes, and that is not healthy. It's not, I mean, it's highly saturated, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. But, coconut oil with everything. Oh, I think Libby knows how yes. I feel about coconut oil. <laughs> I know a lot of the vendettas happening at yeah. this table. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, you know, in, in some way it, it entertains me endlessly, but also it makes me sad for my profession. And, oh. you know, so it, it's difficult to, you know, combat all of the kind of... Um, misleading information that's out there. So um. that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when somebody comes up to you at a dinner party and they find out that you're a dietitian, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh, you're a dietitian. Don't you know? That's about how I always get. Uh -huh. Don't you know that like eating beef talon with a side of avocado is like the greatest diet ever? Like how do you kind of combat that in a really... I don't want to say smart, but a really educated and compassionate way. Well, if it's at a dinner party, I would just um, have another drink and <laughs> exit the conversation. But <laughs> no, um, really, it, it, it's very challenging because even when you present facts, so like beef tallow is highly saturated. We know that saturated fats 
um, lead to altered lipid profiles, um, atherosclerosis, heart disease is the number one killer of Americans. So if that's not enough information, um, it's, you know, it can be hard to kind of bust those myths or provide scientific information. Um, so honestly, I would say that that is not really my, st my strength, you know, my strength is a uh, sarcasm and, you know, so I, I, I just present the actual facts and, you know, if someone cares enough to, um, or considers that I am an expert and I know what's in the literature. So, you know, like what scientists are actually showing, not like this blogger or the, you know, Instagram model or whatever, um, then maybe, you know, we can have a more thoughtful conversation um, about that. So, you know, and, and it just is not to the core of what I believe is healthy or a healthy diet, uh, varied and moderate. It's, it's not, you know, so it's always, I think I end, you know, every nutrition lecture or that sneaks in every lecture somehow, because, um, you know, not, um, everything, like I said, uh, is off limits or, or you don't have to cut these total food groups out or anything like that. And you can include, um, even things that we consider unhealthy, like I would consider beef tallow unhealthy. So I think that's fine if you want to include that in your varied in moderate diet, but turning around and like putting it in your smoothies in the morning. And then, like I said, you know, using it as a cream at night or a moisturizer or whatever, you know, it's just, it's a little extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about, since people are a bit undereducated, it seems, or maybe over miseducated yeah. by social media and by food packaging and food marketing, where is a source you can direct somebody who actually wants to learn how to eat healthy? Oh, gosh, that's difficult. Um, so our professional organization, the uh, Academy for Dietetics, or A&D, um, eatright.org, <laughs> right? <laughs> I do know our professional, um, uh, our professional organization. So there's really good information there. The problem is it's not very user-friendly. And so that's something as a, um, as dietitians that we need to kind of uh, work on. And then also as dietitians, we certainly need to make sure that we are not um, falling prey to those kind of that false information or misleading information that is out there. And so always going back to the literature. So, you know, what are we doing in actual nutrition science and what are we um, seeing in population studies and things like that? So um, it's hard. The American Heart Association has good information. Uh, the, uh, the uh, cancer american cancer association diabetes association so all of these kind of dot org um uh, places have um information that is supported um, by actual scientific research and so that's very important but again trying to get the general population to go there is challenging especially with the younger generation who just goes or is used to just going with the first hit on google so how do we um, you know, educate them that that's not always the fact for anything. And so that's one of, you know, the things that I focus on um, when I teach is that, you know, um, we have to look deeper. So if you are going to provide um, care as a dietitian or something like that to a patient, um, it's negligent to kind of just, uh, you know, look at the surface and just kind of barely uh, look into the information that's out there. So we kind of have to know um, what's deeper, but, but it's hard and it's hard to get anyone except for us 
um, that are truly interested to go uh, take a little step further, you know, into the information. I totally agree. I think sometimes research is like not as sexy as the yeah, Instagram no, models or no. anything. And so <laughs> trying to get the general population to one, learn how to search it, but then read an article, it's going to be like yeah. horrible. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm totally with you. Like, how do we get dietitians to have that bigger voice and mm -hmm. maybe add a sex appeal? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. RD calendars. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I agree. You know, and I mean, even some of the um, information on maybe our governmental sites and things like that, um, are influenced by lobbies and things like that. And and so that those are things that maybe the general population in some cases do, or they do understand that. And so um, it discredits us as experts. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of reform that needs to kind of happen in order to um, fix this messaging issue. But the problem also is that everyone has to eat. So you're also kind of an expert in nutrition. Somehow you, you're keeping yourself alive, at least by consuming food. So um, that creates additional challenges for us. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about um, kind of move away from the, the sad, sad reality and into the grocery <laughs> store. Okay. And let's say I'm going shopping in the produce aisle. What are some good cost-effective options that I can grab that maybe have not been deemed superfoods, but would uh -huh. be kind of a fair addition to your diet? Okay. Yeah. yeah that's a good uh, question. And honestly, I would say whatever is on sale is fair game if it's in the uh, produce section. So um, hopefully whole, food, whole fruits, whole vegetables um, that you can then take and, you know, cook as you would like or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very budget conscious. Um, you know, like I said, <laughs> as a dietitian kind of have to be. So, um, I really, um, you know, it just depends on how you shop and how you prepare food. But for me, um, I'm just winging it, you know, that's kind of how I, how I live my life. So I'll go to the grocery store and see, you know, what is on sale and make something with that. But so generally, um, foods or, or, um, or, produce that is cheap or, or, or affordable, um, are things like carrots, celery. Um, you know, I don't think anyone ever said celery was a superfood, but I can tell you that it has been in the past. So, um, back in the day, celery was the kale of the, you know, of this time. So there's like celery sodas, um, you know, celery elixirs and things like that. So, you know, we've already kind of done this or we've been doing this for a really long time. So, um, and then, um, choosing foods that are in season. Um, so generally those are, um, more affordable, but not always. So, um, if they're local and in season, um, hopefully they will have been picked at the, you know, when they're at their peak ripeness. Um, and so there will be a little more, um, you know, uh, possibly a little more vitamins and minerals present. Um, but also, um, because they haven't had to travel halfway across the planet, um, you know, and, you know, expending gas and things all over the world. And, um, they've just come from your local farm to your vendor or maybe your farmer's market. Um, they can be more affordable sometimes, but also smaller farmers. Um, there's more challenges, you know, that we could go on that tangent as well. So, um, yeah, but so yeah, in season, um, and really there's not a bad vegetable or fruit. 
right? I mean, if it's, you know, there's some benefit to all of them, even, you know, the uh, dreaded potato or, you know, something like that. Best when fried. Yes, <laughs> obviously. Hey, Libby also knows I'm a proponent of frying, so it's okay. uh, Actually, I would love for you to talk about that. It is kind of a bit of a tangent, but um, talk about proper frying because of your background oh. as a chef. Yeah, so I, I am a chef. Um, and so uh, when we talk about uh, fried foods, there, you know, obviously there's, there's a correct way to do that. And so... Um, if you've ever had foods, fried foods that are super greasy, um, it's generally because their uh, fryer oil is not at a correct temperature. So um, different foods need to be fried at different temperatures. And so that's a problem in the restaurant because you're frying fish, you're frying french fries, and you're frying snicker bars or whatever. And so they all need to be fried at a specific temperature. But if you're frying at the proper temperature, what happens is um, you're the uh, the water or liquid that's present in your food is expelled and it creates a little, um, you know, puff of air, if you will, around that food. And instead of that oil slowly seeping into your food and becoming super greasy, what it does is it creates a little force field. And so your food doesn't get saturated with oil. So what that means is fried foods shouldn't have, you know, like they shouldn't be completely doused and coated and like saturated with fat. They should just have that fat around the outside, which means that fried foods are just fine to have in your diet. <laughs> I love that. I, I remember learning that in one of my classes just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and I was just, and every time I explain it to patients, they're like, that can't be right. Like, yeah. how is that possible? Like, oh, they, it's just a sponge. And so I really love that more and more dietitians are starting to learn that and really educate that because it is like fried food when done properly. Mm -hmm. It just adds that mouth texture and taste and really is a neat chemical reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So there's more to it. But yeah, again, the problem is the controlling that temperature is, is a different story, but Hey, if you're doing it at home or, you know, if you're going to McDonald's and all they're frying is fries or whatever that then, you know, maybe it's okay. <laughs> I think they fry more things than yeah. fries. So. so not, not a prescription to go to McDonald's. <laughs> no, no. And but, I've, I've said uh -huh. McDonald's a couple times. <laughs> well, speaking of like kind of that grab and go, because mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners are busy on the go and they might have their, they might be listening to us as they're jumping on a bus or subway or commuting. Like what is your favorite grab and go nutrient rich, uh, snack? Um, gosh, I, I'm not sure. Maybe nuts, okay. you know? And so I, I eat a lot of nuts. They're easy. I like salty things. Um, so, but you know, they're, they're very calorie dense. So you just have to kind of be, um, be careful with those, but I think that's a good choice, but really, um, again, going towards or veering from that, oh, I know this is a healthy food. Um, I heard on a blog that hummus is like super healthy and it does have beans in it, you know? So hummus is, you know, a healthy snack, but that doesn't mean that you can eat the whole container. You know, so I, sometimes the way that we talk about, oh, this is a good choice. Um, well, you know, it's a good choice, again, in moderation, right? So, and popcorn is another one that I like. It's a whole grain, right? So um, just, you know, easy on the butter or whatever. Um, 
but really I'm, I'm not a big snacker. I eat a lot of cheese, but it's hard to justify that cheese is super healthy, you know, <laughs> but if I didn't have it in my life, it would be really yeah. sad. So it yeah. sounds like choosing something that you enjoy in yeah. the proper portion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So portion control is, you know, again, it's, it's super important for me. What is a portion of nuts look like? Oh, it's small. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always why I'm devastated. I go into my bag of almonds and it's like, you might have four of them. And it's like, what? Yeah, this you're like, oh, snack. no. Yeah, it's like this much. Yeah. I always think of like, oh, I'm a woodland creature. <laughs> yeah. So um, how, how can you put nuts in your diets if you don't want to just stare at like a sad hand of four almonds? Oh, like how can you incorporate yeah, how can you them? Incorporate it, maybe and like get those nutrients, but through um, like a menu item. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. So um, certainly, you know, salads would be the obvious one. But I'm, I, you know, I'm pro salad, but I'm also anti salad because that is not the only healthy food on the planet either. Which we kind of, you know, it's like, oh, I gotta lose five pounds. I'm gonna just eat salads, you know, and then comes the ranch dressing and the cheese and the nuts. And then we're, you know, kind of back to where we started. <laughs> but so, yeah, uh, that, that's an easy place. You can also use nuts um, in breading. So cutlets, things like that, because remember, frying is no longer off the table. So um, we can use nuts <laughs> in there. Um, also, uh, I teach an advanced food science course here at UT and um, and they're creating uh, veggie or vegan patties like burger alternatives this semester and they're doing a really good job and a lot of the groups have incorporated nuts in there so for a little texture um, and to add some you know healthy fats and things like that so so there's actually there's a lot of ways that you can incorporate nuts and yeah again not look at this sad tiny <laughs> handful or not even handful of nuts <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going through. Yeah, I'm like a, sorry. Yeah, we'll get away now. Is there anything that you on your list? Well, I the first thing I wrote was variety and moderation. So, or <laughs> the only thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any other things that you're super passionate about? Um, things that like super bother you with superfoods, like things oh, we can gosh, bust? Oh gosh, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, again, if something is labeled as superfood, then it turns into juice and then it turns into a processed food, um, you know, and so... Oh, we should talk about that. Yeah. I like that. Like, um, what, juice, like, everybody wants to juice. Yes. And, yeah, ooh. no. No. So it's it's really fun. So juicing, like coming to that, I've had many heated discussions from like the most brilliant dietitians that I know of mm -hmm. um, about juicing. And they've always said, you know, it's not so taking away that blanket label that juicing is a crock of hooey, mm -hmm. um, that looking at really <laughs> what's going on with the GI tract. And can that person yeah. actually absorb or do we need to get out of that fiber? And mm -hmm. then they can get some of those vitamins and minerals. So is there a place for juicing according to you? According to me, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so also if you think about kind of the uh, osmotically what it does in the GI tract too. So if we have concentrated sugars um, and things like that from removing the fiber, um, you know, that can cause diarrhea. Um, you know, and so we love to attribute our diarrhea to, you know, some component in our diet like gluten, and it could be the juice that you're consuming. Um, I don't know if these are two inflammatory statements. Because I have very, uh, you know, I, yeah, ex or, yeah, 
I don't know. I don't want to be too, but yeah. So ju juicing for me, it's fine. If you like juice, um, you know, you want to have your grapefruit juice or whatever. I, I think that's fine with your breakfast. Sure. But when we start again, looking at it as I have to have this so that it's the only way I can get these nutrients and they're going to be super concentrated and it's going to, you know, again, cure all my ailments, prevent any disease. Um, that's problematic. So, you know, uh, we are, I look at juice the same way that I look at sodas. Um, you know, it's say if it's fruit juice, you know, highly concentrated amounts of sugar, um, no fiber and fiber is one of the absolute most important components in our diet. So removing that is, is a big problem in, in my opinion. So, and also, uh, juice can pose a food safety risk if it's um, coming from juice bars, because often they aren't um, properly washing their fruits and vegetables. If you see them, you go to the juice bar, they're like, you know, crushing hundreds of, um, you know, celery and, uh, you know, oranges and whatever. And, uh, those can be contaminated specifically with E. coli, um, on the outside. And so for when you're in that high volume type of situation, um, the risk for foodborne illness is pretty real there. So that's also a concern. So lots of chances to have an upset tummy. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So when, um, I, I love that you were talking about fiber. So I always mm -hmm. think of like fiber, happy colon is a healthy colon. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, uh, can you help our listeners understand when you said the word osmotic, like what does that really mean and how does fiber play into that osmotic activity in the GI system? Um, that's a good question. So, um, fiber, uh, fiber are these components in our, uh, you know, foods that we can't actually digest. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't, uh, have a benefit, right? So, um, in the GI, what happens is fiber provides, um, you know, exercise and, um, you know, and it also provides nutrients for the, um, the gut microbiome. And so super important, but also what fiber does is it literally creates a barrier between the things in your GI tract, um, and you know, like the kind of, uh, liquid portion in your GI tract. So what happens is as we're digesting foods, we create a liquid, right? Because it's got to get into our body somehow. And so, um, fiber can act as a little force field. And so what that does is if we have a high volume of solute on the inside of our GI tract, so like a bunch of sugar, for example, from juice, um, you know, that's pure liquid form without fiber, what can happen is water likes to travel to the area of highest concentration of solute. So what that means is water will leave the body and enter the GI tract to dilute um, that sugar, concentrated sugar. And so you have diarrhea. So you have to get rid of that somehow. And so fiber can limit that. Um, but so that's just one benefit of fiber. But, you know, again, the, the importance of the gut microbiome is we're, we're starting to understand that that is so tightly related to health in so many ways, not just, you know, not having diarrhea, for example. <laughs> so when, if I had to like choose one poison, should I go uh -huh. a juice or a smoothie that had fiber? <laughs> um, I would say smoothie, I guess. Uh, begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, you know, really I would say neither, or, you know, if you like it, have it. But again, it's not that life-saving elixir that we love to paint it yeah. as. Um, so yeah, it's going to have some fiber, but it also might have other delicious components like 
I don't know, a bunch of peanut butter and <laughs> um, which is delicious, but you know, a bunch could be problematic. Um, you know, a bunch of delicious full fat yogurt, things like that. So those can get super caloric very quick. So again, it also depends on what your goal is. You know, are you hungry? Do you like smoothies? That's fine. Mm-hmm. But also chewing food is very important. I know, you know, as a, you know, someone that works with eating disorders specifically, like we need to chew our food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that y'all pointed out with the juice and the fiber and everything that, you know, it matters not only what foods you're picking, but how you're preparing them and how you're consuming them. Yeah. So I love that that's a distinction. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to share with us that is um, on your mind or specific to you or? Um, I don't know, really. Um, Just kind of, uh, you know, uh, looping back to superfoods. Um, you know, again, that's a marketing term, but if there ever was one, um, or a group, I would say it's beans and legumes and which would, you know, they're not glamorous. Um, they don't look beautiful when you cut them open, you know, like a pomegranate or something like that. But, um, they're, they're, you know, in my opinion, one of the absolute healthiest foods that you can um, include in a diet because they provide carbohydrates, protein, and fiber. And so fiber specifically is very problematic in the typical American diet. Um, you know, so beans for me are kind of the unsung hero of nutrition. Um, but that's just uh, my opinion. <laughs> I love it. I love that they sing because they make your GI sing. Yes. <laughs> right. Oh, dietitian here. Yeah. <laughs> So funny. Be yeah. there always. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, Drew, thank you so much for talking to us today on our podcast. You've really um, helped us to reevaluate what it means to be healthy and how we can be imperfect people and also healthy people. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that. Um, so thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. If you have, uh, and we'll put links to where you can learn more about Drew and her journey as a dietitian and what she's uh, doing over at UT. Thank you so much, Professor Hayes, for taking the time to talk to us today. Again, we had such a fun time recording this episode, and I hope you all had a fun time listening to it. Uh, so as you guys are thinking and listening to this episode, was your brains just like myth busting everywhere (laughs) it was so awesome to really hear the science and not feel super confused from all that garbage that's out in the media absolutely i really love her voice because she is a chef so she is coming from a what is delicious not just what is healthy i'm the registered dietitian they get a bad rep but i think at the end of the day dietitians are all about healthy balanced easy fun real food so take what you learned today go apply it to your kitchen you know eat the marshmallow kale salad whatever it is i double dog (laughs) dare you to eat that and if you do please take a picture and tag us because that would be amazing oh my goodness i know i think you came up with that (laughs) so um awesome so in addition to that homework make sure that you go on to all of our social media at Founding Media. We're gonna drop some notes about uh, Professor Hayes in the show notes, so check that out as well. She's actually in a really awesome band as well. She's just a jack of all trades. She's so cool. (laughs) Also, if you're enjoying the show, make sure that you leave us a review on iTunes. That could really help us out. Give us some feedback about what you wanna hear and what we could be doing better or what you love. You're allowed to love us too. Give us some love. We would appreciate it. (laughs) 
As always, thank you to the whole Fueling Your Potential team, including our producer, Mariah Gossett, and our audio engineer, Jake Wallace. Thanks to everyone at Founding Media for your support and making this show possible. So, as always, thank you for listening. I'm Libby. And I'm Adrian. Stay happy and healthy.